Coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. We're excited to share a new sponsor for this season, Watch Game Film. The simple way to watch, exchange, and manage game film. We understand that ease of use is paramount to productivity, so our platform provides you and your team with the right video solution so you can focus on the game you love. Our intuitive player includes instant replay, slow motion, play loop, rewind, and more. Plus, our platform includes video telestration and commenting features, enabling you to convey clear coaching points to your staff and athletes. When it comes to sharing and trading film, our Excel platforms offers many ways to exchange with your friends, conference, or opponents, even if they're using other film management systems. Plus, we make it easy to communicate with your own team with the ability to message user groups, individual teams, or even contacts outside your team. We know the importance of highlight reels for athletes and recruiters. A highlight tool allows athletes and teams to create the ultimate highlight reel and show their talent to the world. So what about costs? Our packages start at just $100 a year or 50 bucks per season for on-screen and in-text. That includes unlimited film and unlimited users. Our mission is to help coaches and athletes succeed without forcing them to spend limited funds on overpriced software. Ready to get started? Go to watchgamefilm.com. Again, that's watchgamefilm, all one word.com to discover how watching and exchanging and managing film can be both simple and affordable. This episode is sponsored by GameStrap. If you're in the need of a sideline replay system, look no further than GameStrap. GameStrat has the fastest sideline replay system on the market, and they provide 24-7 customer support. Their systems can be used for multiple sports, like football, basketball, and volleyball. Bottom line, making in-game adjustments equals winning more games. Go check out GameStrat on Twitter, at GameStrat, or on the web at www.gametimestrategy.com. We'd also like to mention a new sponsor of the podcast this year, Just Play Solutions. I know most of you know about Just Play and how they can take your game preparation to the next level. From scout cards to player quizzing to installs, Just Play provides coaches with football playbook and game planning tools to prepare faster and engage with today's athlete. Make it a party to check out Just Play this offseason before your league opponents do. Visit www.justplaysolutions.com. Sign up for a free do- demo and let them know we sent you. All right, uh, welcome to the Mesh Point Podcast. Tonight we got Coach Ron Boyd and Coach Thompson. All right, yeah. from the Citadel tonight, a little bonus. <laughs> Coach, how y'all doing? Our coaches, how you doing? Can't complain. Having a good time up here. We're enjoying our, about a week off right now. Well, it's hard to get this time of year, so enjoy it with the family, I'm sure. That's awesome. Well, I tell you what, why don't y'all do us a favor and kick it off? Whichever one of you wants to go first, don't really care. But, uh, you know, talk about your journey uh, all the way up and through now being at the Citadel. Go ahead, boy. All right, well, this is my uh, 28th year. I've been very lucky to be a college football coach for that long, 28th years in offensive line coach. Uh, I've coached in gap schemes. i coached in inside-outside zone stretch teams and uh, all that stuff, but Really, I fell in love with the triple option just because of really what it is and what everybody out there is listening to. But, uh, you know, just I, I, I started off as a graduate assistant at West Virginia Wesleyan College in Buchanan, West Virginia. It was my alma mater. I moved on to uh, Cumberland College. Was there for a while. I was at West Virginia Tech for a couple of years. 
back to Wesleyan as a full-time guy and then moved on to Lenore Ryan in 2005. And we were an inside, outside zone kind of team, not doing well. Uh, and in 2008, moved to the triple option. Uh, had a, a offensive coordinator came in and taught me. I, I had no idea what the triple option was about. Uh, Tommy Lauren Dean came in in 2008, 2009, and taught, you know, implemented the option there at Lenore Ryan. And that's where uh, Brent came into the picture in 2010. So I'll, I'll let him take over from here. Yeah, I started out, I was a Division three. I coached on defense for my first couple of years. I coached at Dickinson College. Uh, this is my 22nd year. I started out in 1998, coached the, uh, on the defensive side for two years. And then I was fortunate enough, I started to transition over to the, the offense. Coached wide receivers at one year for Stony Brook. Uh, I kicked around the Northeast mostly. I went up to uh, Boston. I coached the running backs at Northeastern University for Coach Tom Brown who is now the defense coordinator at Michigan for two years. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough, I, I, my, first, um, my first couple of years at the triple option, I coached, um, I coached wide receivers in 2003 and 2004 at Bucknell University. I transitioned over to uh, quarterbacks and B-backs. And then in 2009 with Ashley Ingram was our offense coordinator. Harold Nichols was our offense coordinator. Uh, and then in 2009, I took over as the offense coordinator and, uh, at Bucknell, and I coached uh, wide receivers, quarterbacks, offensive line, and then uh, I transitioned back to the quarterback when I got to Lenore Ryan. Uh, fortunate enough to get on with this staff right here with uh, Coach Houston. Came down to the Citadel. I was the quarterbacks and the fullbacks coach, the offensive coordinator there for uh, 2014, 2015. And then uh, took over as the head coach there in 2016. And uh, I've been there ever since and stayed involved in the offense, loved the offense. Uh, don't know that I can do anything else at this point, but uh, absolutely love what we're doing right now. Well, that's awesome. Hey, uh, Coach Boyd, on, as you've gone through the years, you know, and again, you're 28, so you're kind of you're kind of going full circle back around and being a mentor to other people. But when you were coming up as a young coach, talk about some guys that kind of helped you along the way. You know, if you had to make a, a tough phone call or a tough decision, who are you calling to ask for advice, that kind of thing, um, you know, as you've kind of developed and then maybe, I don't know, hit, hit a guy maybe you're trying to help now as an older coach. You know, there, the one there's two guys. And the, the one gentleman that, that I played for, in college, and then he was uh, gave me my first full time job was Bill Struble. He was my head coach at West Virginia Wesleyan, and uh, I got to say he's probably one of the the greatest fundamental football coaches I've ever worked for. In terms of that guy, could have walked onto a practice field and coached every position on both sides of the football. And I guess that's kind of where my roots are as a fundamental guy. Obviously, everybody loves indie drills. You know, you want as much indie time as possible. But I really love fundamental football because it doesn't matter what scheme you're in, the fundamentals is really what wins games for you. And, uh, you know, when I worked for him, the first two full days of training camp, I never saw another person on offense because he was an offensive line guy. And I had the whole first two days, literally 22 periods a day to myself. <laughs> you get the O-line right before you get with us. So, yeah. And I really enjoyed that. And then my offensive line coach uh, at Wesleyan and a guy I worked for a couple years later uh, was Paul Price. Uh, probably one of the more pragmatic guys I've ever worked for. Always has good advice. So those would be the two guys that uh, I, I would always rely on. And if I had some troubles, I would call them. 
Gotcha. And as okay. far as guys right now that, you know, that I would, that I'm working with or mentoring, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Uh, oh, I've a lot of good things. You got, Coach Sim- for, so. you got Coach Simmy you're going to be working with, you said, right? But I tell you what, and I told the guy before we were allowed to announce this hire in the spring, because he was, it was, things were going on when, when the newspaper guy came by in the spring. If there was one guy outside of the guys on the staff that I'm working with right now that I've always wanted to work with professionally, that was Tom Seaman. Yeah. We are very lucky to have that guy. I don't know how long we're going to have him, but I hope we have him for as long as we can because he is phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. We're, and I don't, you know, offensive guards, centers, and he does tackles. I've always cons- – we're both offensive line coaches, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I love working with Tom. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. Well, I mean, I know you're glad to have him, but it's a shame the circumstances. Yeah, kind of have a raw deal down there in Jacksonville. Yeah, Coach Thompson, how about you? When you gotta, you know, when you gotta make a tough call or you really need some advice, who you who you talking to? Well, number one, there's two guys that I worked for that were really, really instrumental in teaching me this offense, and really those guys came from uh, Rhode Island, and when Coach Stowers was there. Uh, Georgia Southern Connection guys, and that was uh, no matter what. Um, Ashley Ingram came on for two years when I was at Bucknell. He was the offensive line coach, and uh, Ashley's been very, very generous to us. And then uh, Coach Nichols was very generous. He came on as the offensive coordinator there just before I took over as the offensive coordinator at Bucknell for one year. Um, and then we're very fortunate right now is we're, we've got a pretty good relationship with Brent Davis and the Army staff. Those guys have treated us very, very well. Uh, they've come down to our place. We've been down to their. We've been up to their place. Uh, we did a little bit of Zoom clinic here over the last couple of months. If there was a question or a film to be shared, uh, we were sharing it with those guys. So we've got a good relationship with both the academies or both of those two academies. Um, and if there's a if there's a scheme question or a fundamental question, that's pretty much where we go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, uh, let, can we talk about the Citadel for just a minute? Maybe for those guys uh, out there that they're not familiar with the Citadel, uh, uh, with the school, uh, what are you looking in, uh, for, uh, uh, for as, as far as I can't spit it out? I'm stuttering. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I feel like I've been drinking. There you go. No, I'm just kidding around. Uh, what are you looking for in a prospective uh, student athlete? And then uh, Coach Boyd, maybe you can help me out with what are you looking for in an offensive lineman? Well, number one is this, is we understand that uh, of who we are is we're a very niche offense. The number one thing that we look for on either side of the football is going to be just a good football player. It doesn't matter. Is you need to be a good football player even just to find out whether you can make it here or not. Uh, once we decide whether you're a good football player or not, it doesn't matter the position for us. Is we, We've taken quarterbacks and made them safeties. We've taken corners and safeties and made them quarterbacks. Uh, we feel like we need to be a niche offense just because of who we are. We need to take the best possible football players and add them into our program, and then we'll figure out where we're going to go from there. Scholarship-wise, the only scholarships that I really account for are the ones on the O-line and the D-line. Everything else I can kind of fit into place. A lot of the skill positions I can fit and adjust. So one of the wonderful things about running triple option, quarterbacks can be A-backs, A-backs, and corners can be quarterbacks. Um, B 
B-backs, those guys can be linebackers. There's a lot of transition and a lot of crossover, and we've done it. And that's really what made us successful when we were with Coach Goldsmith at uh, Lenoir Ryan is Coach Goldsmith really took a lot of the personnel that we had, and we just fit them. We found out good players, and we just fit them in the, in the, into the proper places. When it came to academics, we were always going to take the better, the better academic kid. Is No matter what, the better academic kid just fit us more goal-oriented. We feel like we are a program that is built upon guys graduating and finishing. We're not going to be able to uh, take transfers. We're not going to be able to um, you know, have one or two-year players for us. We have to have build four-year players. The only chance that we have at a one-year player is a fifth-year player, and those are just kind of uh, mix and match and piecemeal kind of positions for us. So uh, we're, we're looking for the higher academic kid and the kid that's just a really good football player. And guys are going to be good cadets. You know, we've, we've not taken good football players, really good football players, because we didn't think they'd fit the Citadel, because they've got to fit that place first. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of accountability and discipline on a daily basis. And if that's not what they want to deal with, then we're fine with that and we move on. But uh, we want kids that are going to be there in the end. Uh, understood. Hey, how electric was that place when you guys, uh, uh, you know, upset Georgia Tech there uh, this year? I bet that place was going crazy when you got back. Yeah, had to be. You awesome. know, we've had two really good, solid wins here, and uh, probably in the career that we have had at the Citadel, we've probably had about four or five that were really um, program-changing wins. One was probably Coastal Carolina a couple of years ago in the in the playoffs when Coach Houston was here. South Carolina a couple of years ago. And then Georgia Tech was right up there. I thought we played a very, very good um, – and really what we did is we always talk about playing football on our terms. Um, and I think in both the South Carolina and the, uh, and the Georgia Tech game, we played football on our terms. We kept the game very, very close. We knew we were going to have to try to win it in the fourth quarter. And uh, we were just kind of trying to monopolize the ball and just play true old school triple option football. And that was just pound it out, ground it out, play field position a little bit, play good defense. Um, and then hopefully at the end of the day, have a chance to win it. And uh, if you go all the way back to the, the Georgia Tech, uh, excuse me, the Alabama game in 2018, uh, 2018, I thought we played a very similar game plan in the first half. Um, just one thing spiraled out of control, and that's how those those better teams will jump up on you. But uh, it's a good example about how FCS teams can play with FBS teams as long as you can um, play your style of game. Don't fall into the trap of trying to outscore those guys because they'll never do it. Yeah. And our kids will play as loose as they've ever played in those games. I wish they had that attitude going into all the games. And not like they're uptight. But when we go into places like that, they're like, let's go. They, yeah. they look forward to those games. And these naysayers like Colin Coward out there, they can kiss my ass. <laughs> the, you know, FCS and FBS yeah. matchup. Yeah. Like, we've had 88, 85, 90,000 people in these stadiums. So don't tell me they don't want to see these matchups. Right. You know, TV yeah. might not, but the we fans love it. Oh, we love it, man. I, I, that's why I was asking you. I mean, I'm sure you guys get asked all the time about the Bama game and the Georgia Tech game. I mean, you see it all over social media. In the triple option community, I mean, I can't tell you. It's been huge. I mean, we, we love it. You know what I mean? We're proud yeah, of you guys, man, big time. South Carolina every daggum year for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're from South Carolina, when you're from the state of South Carolina, there you have, you know, it's – I mean, I'm biased, right? But – but, but we're entire country now. So. Well, I played there. Yeah, we're we're right now. Holy cow, it's orange uh, everywhere you go up here. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, there should be. 
Hey, uh, let's talk a little ball, man. So, Coach Boyd, kick us off. Um, talk about a couple of your favorite OL drills you like to do, maybe kind of detail it, and then uh, maybe some of the equipment you use because we get a lot of questions from guys, right? Like either they're just starting out or maybe they're trying to refine a retool, and sometimes they're just like, Coach, what equipment do we need or what what kind of equipment should we get, you know, if they're trying to start? So, mm -hmm. maybe get on that a little, particularly offensive line, right? So that – because – you know, do you use heavy bags, shoots? You know, there's always those questions, and then, you know, kind of how people want to go about it. So, you know, for us, it's shoots, boards, heavies, and a sled. You know, and a lot of you know, we're we're get you know, we get classified as an old school offense or whatever you want to call it, but we're shoots, boards, heavies, and 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 a sled, and and really, the drills that I like to do is. And this is a thing I've been doing since 1987 when I was a freshman in college. I've, I really, really love to do a dry block progression where I break this thing down and we take the dry block and we break it down into four or five different things and we teach a fit and then we teach a fit and drive and then we teach a two-step punch and then we teach a whole dry block all, all the way through And because everything we do is based off of that. You know, I don't care if you're down blocking, you're, you're reach blocking, and everything is coming off the football and it's fitting a power triangle and, and – having great pad level and using your eyes and driving your feet and keeping your back flat. And really, that's where I start. That's what the practices are based off of. Can you you know, and that's really as basic as it gets. And you made me talk about the importance of the shoots and working under them, you know, particularly oh, yeah. uh, with, with your lineman in the triple option here. And, and, and our also, shoot, I'm, I'm, a, I'm five foot ten. Okay. And, and the front of our shoot is my belt buckle. You know, and that's that's the height that we work off of all the time. And uh, you, you just – we're not going to – we don't punch and roll. We don't do anything like that. Our hips are staying locked in. And we're going to put our face in there, and we're going to drive until the whistle blows, and we're going to finish. Um, so, it's just – it's a flat-back offense, and our kids, you know, they adapt to it. it and it's harder these days to find kids that are going to do that because they're trying to take the, the head out of football, and I completely understand that. Um, but for us to survive, these kids have to know they got they got to put their eyes in somebody's chest. Yeah. And then from a shoot perspective, you like the one that's open where you can get you guys underneath and and yeah. really get after it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we also have a trap shoot that we use. Okay. Uh, you know, coach was nice enough to buy me one a couple yeah. years back, and because we have a transition time between our practice fields, we have a turf field and a grass field. Um, so every day at the beginning, I'm on the grass field, which is fine. But once we have to start transitioning back and forth, I lose about 90 seconds uh, at the beginning of a period. So later on in practice, we keep a trap shoot up on the field, and that's where I will start to work some uh, three-man triangle drills or, or of our scoop drills, you know, things like that. And I know those questions are coming up later on from what yeah. you guys had said. But I think it's, it's important. It's, it's so, usually important. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. And, and it's, you know, I mean, when you're talking about really boiling down to what you really need equipment-wise from an O-line perspective, you know, we, I think we try to tell guys, if you can find a way to buy a chute that's open underneath, you can get your guys under there. I mean, it's worth the – I mean, it's it, don't get me wrong, it's expensive, but it's worth sure. it to find a way to get it done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
and, and you can use it for defensive backpedaling underneath. You can use you can it for, use it, yeah. you can use it for a ton of stuff, like particularly at the high school level where guys are like, wow, I'm going to spend $3,500 for a shoot. Well, you can use it for tackling and you can use it for everything. So, I mean, Luke, Luke Conti uses it for the V-back. Yep. Yeah. You know, they're working Mestre under that thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you can account for the cost. Yeah, and that's right. And that's a great point. All right, Coach Thompson, let's pick your brain. Let's let's go. Uh, well, Tony's coaching receivers now, so let's get a couple good receiver drills for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Is when I you know I coached wide receivers, and I first started out in this offense, and it's a good spot to learn from because you work outside, and it's a very simple but complex spot to work from. Is the number one thing that you got to understand is is the stock block progression. And it's an underused and underutilized uh, fundamental anymore is uh, – I even teach it. I've been coaching the A-backs for the last two years. It's really the only time that I've ever coached the A-backs in this offense. And I use a lot of the same progression techniques because whether you're climb blocking, stop blocking, whatever you're doing, we're having to use it more and more. And I would imagine at the high school level, you're using that quite a bit because the cut block has been eliminated in so many states. And that is we start from a ground base. And it's just like Coach, was, Coach Boyd was telling you about being fundamental with the offensive line. you got to be fundamental with your A's and your wide receivers about getting to the position uh, and getting to the proper position. We don't know how to trigger our hips. We don't teach that on the offensive line, but we do teach it in all of our skill positions about being able to trigger your hips all the way through. So we are a six-point explosion team. Uh, whether it's an A-back or a wide receiver, all of our guys in those skill positions should learn how to teach uh, the six-point base just from the ground. And whether you do it against the bag or you do it against the sled, it's very, very functional. Uh, so we teach everything from the, from the progression of down first. We go six-point, four-point, two-point, and then we'll start to spread some space, add the feet to it. Um, and then if you go in all, in all of the unique um, different angles that a wide receiver is going to have to probably block on, it could be a lot is coaching wide receivers is not as easy as you think. It may be easy schematically because a lot of times we're executing deep rule or we're blocking non-run support or whatever we call it. Uh, but when it comes down to it, the cushion is very difficult to judge. Um, the explosion off the ball is very difficult to understand because you're trying to force and press a guy off the football. Um, the punch, uh, keeping our elbows tight, just like a jab punch is, is very difficult to teach because guys want to punch from the outside, shoot haymakers all the time. Uh, the shimmy and the breakdown and everything else is you're going to try to step on toes too much. You're not going to try to keep that cushion enough. So there's so many things that we teach um, that need to be progressed all the way from the start as a wide receiver coach all the way through. Now the wide receivers and the A-backs should be taught almost the same way. Uh, other than the fact that the A-backs are a little bit more prone to cut block uh, than the wide receivers. But at one time my wide receivers were cut blocking all the time. Front side of plays, we were cut blocking quite a bit is uh, we didn't care. Get back up, make the play. At least you kind of slowed it down a little bit. Uh, but now we're starting to have to get back to pressing. Now that the five-yard rule is in place, yeah, uh, we're having to press guys off the ball a little bit more, sell the pass a lot more, uh, break down, give it the three-yard cushion a lot more, sink the hips, drop the hips, keep the eyes up, shimmy all the way to the, uh, to the point of combat, contact and then punch. Those are all things that, that every wide receiver coach needs to know. Catching the football is very, very easy. Very, catching the football yeah. is something that you should do on your off time. Catching the football is something that you should do in Skelly and one-on-one. Uh, you should be taking jugs machines and that kind of stuff just to learn to catch the football. But beyond that, you got to hone your skills at being able to block somebody. And we, I remember we talked to Coach Yo over at Navy, and uh, he, he talked about 
being an old school guy, you know what I mean, and wanting to get after it. And now he finds himself more like uh, telling his guys to let go, you know, after like four seconds or whatever. And it's just hard because, you know, trying to avoid that penalty, you know. And um, I, I watched uh, one of your, game, your games the other day, and uh, I saw you even got a crack back. Uh, I think it was on a rocket toss or something, and they, they threw a flag on it, you know what I mean? And that's got to be difficult out there on the perimeter at times, you know what I mean? Because you want to be physical, you, you know, and – and uh, you might get a flag or something. That's it's just tough, you know. But uh, you no, know, the game has changed so much with yes. that. Is um, you used to try to go out there and declick guys, and I understand where they're coming from. And uh, you'll even watch a lot of people have watched the Georgia Tech game lately, and we've just we knew that that was going to happen. We watched those guys play Navy for two years. They uh, they play in an eight man front, and they turned their outside linebacker so that we couldn't crack those guys. So all we did was, if you watch uh, some of our better wide receivers out there between Raleigh and Ryan McCarthy, they just kind of shielded and walled them off. And throughout the whole game, we were talking to the to the, uh, the side judge and the line judge about this blocking technique. Are we good here? What do we want to do? And it was great. Like, the ACC official really worked with us. He said, look, as long as you're doing a box technique, you're fine. I mean, as long as we can execute the same kind of uh, job that we're supposed to do, we'll be fine. Um, you're just not going to be able to be as physical. I, I do remember a time when we go out there and knock the heck out of that dude. Yeah. It looked bad. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It looked bad at times. So. Yeah. The one thing, the one thing you can, you can kind of get away with too is that force defender's got to square eventually. Otherwise, he's out leverage, right? So um, it's good that those guys work. No with, question. You know, and that was exactly what happened at that yeah, that's exactly yeah, I mean, what happened at Tech. Is you can be patient and be. It's patient. a good. It's a good thought in theory, but yeah, it, it doesn't always work out. Yeah, right. And uh, it's good that those guys work with you because, I mean, when that guy squares and you're there, I mean, you can have a block. You know, that block can occur. You know, and that's right. It, I'll be honest with you. There's not. Uh, that's good from the ACC. But there's not a lot of people that work with you like that. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, so. Uh, that's awesome. No, there really wasn't. And it was great. Now, our wide receiver, he initiated the conversation. How do you want me to block this guy? The guy was, hey, this is how you, you got to do it. And awesome. he executed fairly well. That's a, Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen that game. And uh, you were able to to, uh, to to come down and crack their force guys. Uh, it made a big difference, too. Um, yeah. And just give them different looks, right? I mean, outside in, inside That's all out, it is. You know, read them like it. Then the guy's head spinning. Um, so that's, that's awesome. Coach Boyd, I, we got to get into some things with your tackles, man, because you guys, I think are very innovative with what you do, uh, with those guys. And, and I know from a, you know, a body type standpoint, you're looking for guys, uh, maybe a little different than some of the other option teams are, but you know, you guys are obviously going to veer release a guy. You're going to outside veer a loop scheme that you're going to arc a guy for three and you're going to wall an area which, mm -hmm. again, could be a backer, could be a safe fizzle of his 3-2 exchange or what. But sure. you know, those are all different techniques, right? So, you know, if you're if you're a guy like, you know, you wanted to kind of elevate your game a little bit and, and maybe you're in your third year of running this stuff, right? Maybe your fourth year of running, you want to kind of change some looks. Talk about how you're able to teach those guys all those techniques, you know what I'm saying? Because they're all – I mean, you got to rep them, right? you got to teach them. So. Well, that's where Simi comes in. Uh, you know, he really does. Uh, he's the most experienced tackles coach we've had in the last three seasons. Yeah. Um, so it's good. Uh, there's good conversation because he's got a background. The last couple guys we had were, were good, but they just didn't have a lot of the knowledge. All right. Um, so 
what we've tried to do, with the exception of the arcs and the loop releases and things like that, we've tried to make most of our releases at that tackle spot the same, if that makes sense. Try to use the same foot every time. So say you're stepping outside with an outside foot all the time and the defender steps out where you get underneath. The beat yeah. stays inside, you stay outside. So really that's what it's come down to. And We, we, try, we have several different releases but we try to teach them from a consistent standpoint right. of trying to use the same foot every time. So we could have a buzzword for each release and the kid would know, you know, based on the play, like, Coach, what do you want me to do here? Use this release, use that release. So, And that's what Tom and I have been going back and forth with. You know, I told you early on, you know, with us trying to plan practices, you know, hey, what are we going to call this release because it's based on a play. And, and if you can get that one word in there, then, okay, he knows I'm stepping my inside foot or I'm going to step my outside foot. Uh, so it, it's good. And, and then when we're sitting there with these practice plans, it is just whenever we have an extra five minutes, it is what release you working on now, Tom. <laughs> you know, the tackles always have whatever extra periods we have, it's going to be some kind of veer release. Yeah. So, and, and again, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a work in progress, but I think Tom has, has brought some knowledge to it in, in with the, in regards to how are we going to do this? And we know it's going to get taught the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's good too, to have a common language, right? So when you're trying to coach the kid, you got a buzzword, it can, he can self-correct, he can identify, you know, whatever the buzzword is to the, to the scheme and, and get rolling. And I, I think that's probably where, you know, I think most people try to have two O line coaches, but that's probably where it gets lost in translation sometimes, right? You know, you, you know exactly, and you just you just got to make sure that you're managing it properly. Yeah, you know, because a trap play release is going to be different from an inside veer release, right? You know, and but you want to be the same every time. You don't want to double talk a kid because that's the worst thing you can do, especially with us playing as fast as you know, with us wanting to play as fast as we can. You right. got to go, and you don't want to double talk a kid. Yeah. You know, a lot of the nuances in this offense have taken place in the tackle position. Used to be able to get away with um, a lesser coach, a lesser player at the tackle spot. You're really not allowed to get away with it anymore if you want to keep on evolving. And uh, used to be able to, you know, if you're in for the place, side inside linebacker and then flat for the safety ball. Shoot, man, we're asking you to arc the safeties. We're asking you to read linebackers. We're asking you to read support players. You're almost out there like an A-back sometimes. And you have to be as athletic. You have to be more of a tight end than anything else. Uh, Zone blocking, then you've got to be able to base up and zone reach somebody. Uh, The tackle position is one of those positions where uh, it's not the castaway anymore. It's not the, you know, it's not the land of misfit toys anymore. Those guys uh, are, are very, very vital and very important to what we're doing. I, you know, at one time you used to be able to just um, get away with a long, pretty lean guy. Now you got to have a long, lean, and fairly athletic guy, a guy that can at least maybe convert it from wide receiver or tight end that can play it. Yeah. Yep. On that same note, Coach, uh, as far as like the evolution of the triple option offense, um, I remember uh, you spoke in Dallas uh, uh, two years ago, and, and um, you, were, you guys were talking about zone option, you know. And uh, thinking back to the, when you first started coaching, you know, I'm sure the amount of practice time that you devoted to uh, practicing a play like inside beer took up a large percentage of your practice time. And now kind of talk about how zone option maybe is, is, is a larger percentage now of your, of your practice time than it used to be, you know, and kind of the evolution of that play. 
Yeah, Zone Option's a very, very good play. When we first installed Zone Option, it was about 2005 and I was working at Bucknell. And we had been a very good Zone Option team. Now we had a good quarterback to it. We spent a lot of time in it. And then when Coach Ingram came in from Rhode Island and Coach Towers, they were not a big zone option team. They were, if you were going to be a zone option team with those guys, you were going to base uh, one LOS, you're going to base two LOS, and that was be about it. Uh, and it was very, very basic, very fundamental. It was more of a read, um, a read, veer kind of a play. Then when we started, you know, Navy started the process back in about 2011, 2012. Back, we started to put a lot of time into it at, at LR. And it, it became one of our best plays. And then in about 2015, 2016, we've revamped the whole thing. And we went with more. We adapted from a Navy style to an Army style. And it took a lot for us as we had to devote half-line periods to it. We had to devote um, – if we were going to run that play in any given week, we were going to have to run that play almost two-thirds of our plays, whether it was two half-line periods devoted throughout the week, whether it was, um, you know, because we had a lot of different nuances and a lot of different things that could come off of it. Now that we've been involved in that play now for a good solid, since we transitioned yeah. three or four years, we've backed off the play. Uh, we've devoted some more time back into inside veer because inside veer should still be the basis of our offense. Uh, our best offense in 2014, we were only 5-7 and seven that year, but that was our best statistical offense ever, and we were a huge inside veer team. We were just a moderate zone team. So you'll see us start to transition back that way only because we've got a good solid basis of what we can do in the zone option game. Because once you go down that rabbit hole in the zone option, yeah, you may never come back. Is um, <laughs> You listen to Army. We went up to Army and studied it for days um, and just finding out we've got a pretty good zone option quarterback right now. And if you want to leave the ball in his hands, it's awesome and everything. However, is just to get all the blocking schemes down is it takes a long time because you had a lot of different tags and a lot of different calls. Yeah. And, you know, anytime that you have an opportunity to pitch the football, there's always a risk involved. So you always want to have all the risks covered. Inside Veer, you know what you're getting. You've been running it for how many years? This is 20-something years for me. You always know. You know the answers to it. Zone option, we didn't know all the answers all the time, so we had to keep on stacking. And when we stacked on top of things, um, it made the play very, very productive for us, but it also made it very, very expensive for us. I, you know, I tell guys that all the time. It's a great play because, to me, up front, it, it's a, it answers a lot of things. You get a lot of gap pops or anything like that, you, you can take care of it with your zone game. But – when we really went with the Army-type version like Brent was talking about, I was including team periods or pod periods, whatever it was. I was 20 minutes a day alone with the O-line, just on zone option. Wow. There's a lot of guys. You can't – there's a lot of people that can't afford that time, especially yeah. in high school when you yeah. may be all in days or, you know, splitting your practices in half. So you've really got to – if that's what you want to do, you better be ready to, to sell out to it. Yeah. I mean, you figure Tom Osborne and Nebraska and those guys, that was their offense. Yeah. You know, that was what they did. I mean, and you can make a living on it, um, but we're still inside here, guys. It just kind of fits what we do, and we want to make sure that we always have that in mind right now. Yeah, I'm glad to see, you know, you guys, um, Harding, Kennesaw, you know, getting back to triple, right, reading it, you know, having the fixes, understanding it. 
Um, Everybody's running three four defenses. Inside beer versus three four is a bitch. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a very. That's good point. the key. Seems to be the one everybody's gone to is the three four, the fifty, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. You pitch key, squeeze, scrape. You're out. You know, you can't leverage the backer. It's it's a pain in the butt. And that's what we've all used it as that answer, and it's been, it's worked very well for us. And we're always going to have it versus that front, but yet we still need to be a triple option team. I know you. I know you're a big fan of uh, getting back to the triple there, Coach McLeod. Uh, I know you've been talking about that uh, last couple of podcasts, man. Yeah, I mean it's coming around, back around, hopefully. So you know. And you were you talking know, about I, that the offense is like an evolution. Uh, uh, it, it goes full circle, right? You, you know, you come back to the plays that used to run, kind of, you know, and and it just kind of goes in a circle. Pretty interesting. You know, you know, with, when COVID hit, I, I was I live on campus, so I had an opportunity to go back into the office. And I would go to the office when nobody was around for the last two or three months, especially like when I got all the recruiting out of the way, everything in, when May and June hit. And uh, we had, uh, Boydie and I had done a clinic with, um, we had done a clinic with Harding and they had a, a statistical analysis about successful plays. And it really struck a chord with me. And it was, um, the play had to average 60% of four yards or better. Right. And I went back and since since we had gotten here at the Citadel in 2014 and I had broken down and we had broken out all of, I think I started any play that we had run 30 times in one year or more, uh, we had broken it down and, and triple was one of those plays. Midline triple was one of those plays. So it was like, what are we doing? Why don't we just get back to doing what we were really good at? Um, and let's get back to just being successful at those plays. We've got the answers to those. We just need to invest the time back into those plays. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it- – yeah, if, if Kenny does a great job with efficiency. I mean, they 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 have everything built in to huddle when they when they break it down, it spits it out. And but but I think that's the point. Just like you said, when you go back and look at film study, you really boil it down to what you're really good at. It's going to go back to what you know, right? Like when you, right. like you said, you've got the answers, you know the adjustments, you know the formations, you know everything you need to do. And I don't know. I just find some. Folks get away from it too easy. I don't know. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get bored, we get antsy, we get impatient. Uh, we think we can't do it. We think that they figured it out, but they have. You, have, you still have the answers there. You just got to push the right buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coach Boyd, uh, can we talk about scooping a little bit? I, I was curious <laughs> to know how you're, how you're teaching scooping and um, maybe, uh, maybe a, a way you drill it. We're still going to cut as much as we can. <laughs> Calm down, baby. You know, I I tell I get on all the time. You make them call it. We're gonna do what we do and make them call it, and then we'll figure out how they want us to to go after that. But anyways, you know, we we do a lot of that stuff, and and again, it goes back to Tom. Uh, he and I have been you know planning practices, and you know, we we have some odd scoop tracks, we have some even scoop tracks, and 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 basically where we start, and this is kind of when when I got with Brent. You know, we start from the basis of covered and uncovered on the backside. All right, so if, if, the, if, the, if the play side lineman next to you is covered, all right, then your track, we don't take the angled step. You know, Brent Davis, when you talk to him, he's uh, the, the 60, 45, not 45, 60, 90, or whatever that is. And that's fine. That's how Brent teaches it, and a lot of guys teach it. We, we, we've gone to aiming points. You know, so if, if your play side lineman's covered, then – your aiming point is going to be we're going to put your backside ear hole uh, on the play side defender's hip or the defender's play side hip. Yeah. 
all right? And if the lineman next to you is uncovered, we're going to go off the heels of the next down D lineman, all right? So if that to, to break that down a little bit further, if, if, if I'm the backside tack when the guard's got a three technique, I'm going to take my left ear hole and put it on the, the left hip of the, the three technique if the play's going to the right. If I'm the left tackle and it's a, a odd front, a three four defense. My scoop track is going to be off the heels of the next down D line, which would be the nose guard, the zero. Okay, and we talk about scooping gaps and not people. All right, because people can move out of gaps. People can also pop gaps. All right, so we try to just teach tracks, keep them as high as we possibly can, and when you feel pressure, you get vertical. All right, so that's where we start everything. You know, that's where the base – when I put that in on the board the first day, that's where we go. And then we'll just kind of deviate from there depending on what the situation Like, for instance, we have a vertical scoop we use off the backside. If, if we've got a three and a five technique back there and there's no A or B gap threat, say it's a four three, and you've got an outside backer that's set, we'll just go vertical scoops if we have to. All right, one, you're lessening the, the chance of a, of a chop block on the backside and you still are keeping that backside edge wide and clean, right? Yeah. right? If there's a B-gap linebacker with a three and a five on the backside, we'll call a, like a, a, a three-slip where the guard will get vertical through the three technique, but the tackle will try to overtake the three just to cover the B-gap on the backside. Yeah. And say zone option, or if there's an A-gap threat, uh, backside A-gap threat to the guard, then he's going to call a full scoop because we've got to get that covered if your center is going play side A to, to linebacker. So we base everything off of covered and uncovered, and then there's different scenarios that we'll work on there. And we'll also white. You know, we'll fan the backside on some plays as well. Yeah. Based on, you know, what we're getting. Sometimes, like, you're running double lead ISO, and you've got an ace on the front side. There's no use in scooping that guard through the backside. Let's go ahead and white the tack or, you know, fan block the guard and the tack on the backside, take care of it like that. So there's a lot of different ways we can do it. Uh, but we always start with an uh, with a covered and uncovered principle back there. And then Tom and I will get in the shoot. And, again, that's a later on in practice kind of deal, and we beat them down a little bit, and we'll just use landmarks. You know, we'll, we'll have cones or towels. Uh, Tom will get back there with a red ball, and he'll roll a ball for the tackle. So they've got to get through that ball and scoop it. And I'll have guards working tight scoops, and they got to snatch a towel or a cone on their way through their tracks. And I'll, I'll make sure that the the center's got a cut back, cut block, a linebacker. I'll have somebody with a hand shield out there. So a lot of different ways you can do it on air, just to make them move fast, but you don't have to beat them down. You know, because that's generally a period right before we go to team where we start trading pain again. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's very cool right there, man. That's some good uh, information for some coaches out there too. Very thorough. We, we will probably get those things taped. I have a lot of things on film if anybody out there needs them. Uh, I'll supply whatever I can. I'm not the most technologically advanced guy, but we got a pretty good film guy that should be able to convert over and yeah. get those things out to anybody. I told you at the beginning, we, we're not trying to hide anything from anybody. Yeah, We all want to share out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's, you guys have always been free giving. There's no doubt about that, which is a credit to you guys. Again – Pushing the offense forward, right? Wanting to help people. That's the whole point of it. We all got here by those same ways, right? So, sure. Hey, talk about – I know you've talked a little bit about practice. Um, you know, just talk about how you guys typically practice. Like, do you use pods? Do you use half lines? Do you – you know, obviously you're going to do indie. I know that. But, you know, are you servicing your D at some point? Like, what, what kind of – how are you kind of going through all of that? 
you know, so th- there are a lot of times as, as you've got to you've got to understand in this offense that um, you're going to have to take care of your defense at times. Now, when I was at Bucknell, is uh, we would service the defense, service the defense. When I moved on to Lenore Ryan and Coach Goldsmith was there and Coach Houston took over, is we were fairly separate. We didn't do a whole lot of things together, um, and it, it does it makes it a whole lot nicer. But as the head coach, you got to understand that. Uh, there are certain things that the defense needs throughout the week. So uh, we do try to do two skelly periods for them more than anything else, right? For us, is it's a, it's a third and long period. It's a two-minute period. It, it could be very, very tough. But we do work a, a fast package for them uh, where you're trying to get back in the game, whatever it is. Uh, we do have a skelly. So we'll do that twice a week for them. We do a one-on-one purely wide receivers and defensive backs. We'll do that maybe once a week. Uh, against the defense. Other than that, the only other thing that we will do in a typical work week being that it's a game week preparation against the defense is a two-minute drill on a Thursday. Everything else is just about separate. Now, during camp, uh, we play football. During spring football, we play football. We go against each other. We do scenarios. I will make sure that we cover every single first, second, and third down scenario that we've got fourth down scenario that we've got, red zone coming out, all that. Uh, we are playing football. We're getting used to just playing football during camp. But during the season, is we, we do have full scout teams. Um, I carry a roster of about 120 or so, 118 to 124. That reason is uh, we need bodies and we need guys that can go out there and give us a pretty good look about things. Um, on a typical, the skill will get a 15-minute individual we will get a uh, I mandate about a 10-minute inside period, which will get about 20 reps in a 10-minute inside period. Uh, during that time, we've got enough bodies where we will alternate our uh, option skelly or what we call a mesh drill, giving the quarterback, the fullback, uh, and the A-backs all the different looks with the wide receivers, communicating perimeters. Uh, we will alternate those two periods. So um, for 10 minutes a day, we'll either have a mesh period going on uh, as well as a inside run period going on. Then we will flip the two skills uh, on Wednesdays. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we'll have both of those going on. Then we will um, at least Tuesday, maybe sometimes Wednesday, we do a, a half-line beer period. Uh, during that time, we try to get um, about 40 plays in about – 15 minutes. If we can get 40 plays in 15 minutes now during camp, uh, we will be sure to get a half line period against our defense. I want a full live um, as fast as we can wrap it off half line period against the defense during camp as much as we can. Uh, and we'll probably get that about two or three times uh, during uh, throughout the camp so that we'll get a live period. Uh, we'll also do some group oriented stuff uh, on Wednesdays. We will do if it's a big zone option period. Sometimes we'll do a five-minute half-line zone option period. We'll pop gaps. We'll give um, cross charges. Whatever we think we're going to get, whether we're, we're taking the wide receiver and blocking the two, uh, number two, or whether we're taking the wide receiver and uh, cracking inside of the linebacker or something, we make sure that we get those looks in that period. And then from there, we'll get about a 20-minute, uh, maybe 30-minute team period at the end of practice where we'll try to get about 40, 50 reps in. And so when you're looking through your, uh, your, your scripts, are you really looking for trying to rep your play action stuff in that team period at the end there? Is that what you're doing? We do. We have a short RVA period where we'll rep all of that. We'll go routes on air. So whatever I want to focus on on the week, whatever we want to install during camp, is that is what we will do. Thank you. That is what we will do um, 
during that particular day, and then we will always build it in into the uh, into the team period. So we do have some team pass periods. If there's some particular thing that we want to look at, we'll get a good team pass period in there. But um, we've kind of uh, we've kind of evolved into just mixing them in and out. And I really learned this from Harding too. Is really you're only going to carry about five to six play actions. And you're always going to carry about one or two. You're going to carry one or two off the toss. You maybe carry one or two off the veer. Uh, and then you may have a miscellaneous one here and there, whatever the, the, the play is. We have one off of zone uh, zone option or whatever. So we'll take our top six or seven and rep those um, between routes versus air and then the, uh, the two team periods, and we'll get them done. So I, I have one more question for you, and then I'm going to let Tony start asking some of his stuff because I feel like I've hogged this whole thing. Oh, up. you're good, Coach. You're good, man. I've got stuff on my brain, man. I'm rolling. Um, so we've noticed that you guys get into some three-man surface stuff, right? So we, we're always asked questions like who that guy is, right? Is it a big receiver? Is it a tight end type guy? Or is it the sixth offensive lineman, right? And, and I'm sure that could change year to year and whoever you got, but – I think the biggest question is, number one, is how you're identifying who that guy is. And then once you identify who that guy is, how are you able to practice it so that guy gets the reps he needs to be successful? Because, right, he's got to have looks. Seven, nine, uncovered. You know, you want your kids to have rule application versus all their looks. So how are you all doing it? And, uh, you know, kind of help us out. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let Brent take this after this. If it's a big three-man service week, our tackles want to freaking kill us yeah. because they're going back and forth in half line periods. They don't get a break. Yeah. They do not get a break. We're switching from spread to, to three man service back and forth the entire time. So they're getting five reps over here. And as soon as that side goes to spread, they're getting five reps over here and yeah. it's very little rotation. So our tackles really, really do hate three man surface. <laughs> and we also keep the extra tackle is always the same guy. Okay, I got you. So we're not teaching him the release on, say, a seal player or anything like that. We got to that, what, about three years ago? Yeah. We got that from Tom and and Ian. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, the the extra tackle is always the same guy. And I think you guys gave me a a question earlier about his his stance. Yeah. It, It doesn't matter. He, we, we always like the inside hand down, but if he's comfortable with his right hand down, flip-flopping back and forth, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that guy's not scooping as much. Yeah, he doesn't scoop. He's more of a front-side guy, so it doesn't matter. And then, they, like I said, the extra guy, when we got back into three-man surface big time a couple years back, we had a senior offensive lineman that was the literally the fifth tackle. He wasn't the fourth. He was a good athlete, but Brent thought that he felt that, that position better and actually worked out fairly good for him. Yeah. Yeah, so the three-man surface versus the two-man surface force has come down to this. Is uh, For years, when we were at Lenoir Ryan, we were there for four years, we kind of took the leftovers. As, uh, Coach Houston and Coach Goldsmith were both, both defensive guys. So whatever they left us with, with you know, we had some pretty good wide receivers. Uh, but our first really good tight end that we had was a guy by the name of Jared Thompson. And uh, Jared was – uh, he was a kickback from Elon. He was nothing special. He got caught between a wide receiver and a tight end. Uh, but he was a very productive player for us. He had very good ball skills. So it was the first time in about, I would say since about 2004, 2005, that I put a, a tight end back into the scheme. 
And uh, it worked out well for us. We were no huddle. We could go to a three-man surface. We could go to a two-man surface. He could play a split-out wide receiver. So personnel for us drove us to, to that. When we first got to, uh, to the Citadel, and, and really since Jared, we didn't have that guy. So when we first got to the Citadel, we were just going to say, screw it. We're going to be a two-man surface team. We're going to go with what we do. We're just going to, hey, we're going to be good at it. We're going to start someplace. Uh, and then as we evolved at the Citadel, we said, okay, well, we didn't quite have the crop of wide receivers. Keep in mind, Kevin Higgins right now, the old head coach, is now the wide receivers coach at, at Wake Forest. So he always had wide receivers. For our first three years, we had really good, solid wide receivers. Well, we weren't taking as many wide receivers as we used to take. So by our last couple of years, we just said, okay, well, we don't quite have the receivers that we used to have. Let's start to, to see if we can dive back into a three-man service game. Well, what gives us the, big, the, the best opportunity? Well, one year it was an extra tackle. He was better than putting a wide receiver out there at that point. It was just personnel-driven. Uh, this year, we actually had a fairly decent tight end uh, that we could use, and we could use him in and out. We also went to a huddle team. We were going to huddle and be more for formation-driven, as you saw us. And we were going to come out in three-man services, four-man services. It didn't matter. Uh, we were going to try to gain the leverage on you through our, um, uh, uh, through our formations. Well, we may not have all those same guys anymore. And it's like we were just talking about before. Evolution is going to happen again, and we're going to go back to what we were really good at. So you'll probably see us more in a two-man surface adding back in more what Coach Johnson was, used to do and throw a wide receiver on the backside. A wide receiver can still be a dangerous threat back there. Oh, yeah. With what we're doing anymore, and it goes back to what we were talking about, tackle play, is tackle play right now, we're arcing again, we're leveraging again, we're – we're treating them more like A-backs. Well, they're still, when they're tight ends back there, and they're wide receivers especially, we've got a pretty good one, is you can hide guys back there. Is guys can be legitimate pass threats back there now if they want to tilt formations, they want to tilt secondaries and everything like that. Is you've got a really good opportunity to take advantage of some numbers to the backside. We're just doing what Coach Johnson used to do and put your tackle over and put your wide receiver to the backside. Yeah is you're not getting as many scoopable positions back there. And that was always the difficult thing was teaching a wide receiver who was 195, 200 pounds to be able to scoop a three technique back there. Well, you don't get that anymore. You don't get that as much. You could run the ball at him. You can play action away from him now. You can do more things with a legitimate pass target to the backside that I think uh, we weren't able to do when everybody was overloading the play side. Yeah, that, that – I've – I really love the ability to jump in and out of three-man services from a no-huddle concept with the same guys on the field. I felt like that was when we were the most dangerous, right? Because and they're not going to personnel you either. And, and that's exactly the point right there, and you are exactly correct. And, and I'll tell you. You're most dangerous when you can do it and be multiple, yeah. and when they don't know it's coming, yeah. it's tough. And, and I tell you, we ended up taking um, – well, we, we took our, our – bigger receiver guy and, and this is kind of what I want to talk about too like how do you practice right so we just kind of boiled down like we're going to run inside veer we knew that right so the kid had to veer release scooping we I mean I don't know that we overcoached that part of it with them we just uh, if we had a, if we had a receiver back there we tried to keep it as, as as easy as we possibly, and we just vertical scooped them. Yeah. If we had to, we just vertical scooped it and yeah. be damned with whatever was yeah. happening back there, right. you know. 
What would you would you bring those? So what we ended up doing is bringing them down the O line guy for a couple periods just to kind of work that stuff, particularly early on, right when you're in helmets and you know and you can go through a little bit more longer. Is that how you guys do it typically? Like you, we have. It's been a while though. Well, you know, we used more a couple of years ago than we we've have. used inside run. You know, the last couple of years we've had a traditional tight end or an extra oh. tackle there. But yeah, like like Buddy was saying, when you get a wide receiver, there is. Um, the good thing is I've got a wide receivers coach that played tight end, so he knows more of that stuff than a typical wide receivers coach would know. Yeah. Um, so he knows how to do some of that. And once again, is we're not asking him to scoop as much right. um, as we used to. Right. Scooping is the hardest thing to do. Like you asked that question. Uh, that's a fundamental question that everybody asks. It's uh, hard to do. It's hard it, to coach. It is. And, and you're right. There's a couple different ways that if you ask that question at a clinic with option guys in a room, you're going to get, like Coach Boyd said, you know, 45-45-90 talk. You're going to get – tip back, tip of the ball. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you, you're going to get – you could get five different whole separate conversations on it, you know. But in and the end, we're all going the same way. It's about right, yeah. <laughs> we, we're all – we're all doing, we all need to cover our gap, right? We just got to figure out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the uncovered, covered stuff, though. I think it makes it easier for the kids to kind of – execute i mean I, I, I used to teach when i first started coaching you know you're trying to figure your way out you know your philosophy along the way and i was always like step put a 45 step this way and really you got a kid thinking about what's a 45 degree angle where am i going to put my foot right. it's a lot easier to say put your ear hole over there yeah. than to step at a 45 yeah you know well, yeah. and that was a that was an ashley ingram i mean ashley and to this day is they say if you ask Coach Johnson who the best offensive line coach, they'll say Coach Stowers. Tim Stowers was a, was a terrific offensive line coach, and that's where Ashley got it from. And we've never really varied from a lot of the techniques. Um, a couple of things we've changed since we've talked to Brent Davis and Ashley, but really the basis of our offense comes from those guys at Rhode Island and Coach Stowers. Yeah. Yeah, we, we had some fun wars with those guys when I was away in Mary, man. It was fun. We had a, <laughs> we had a great time. We won a couple of times. They beat us once, but you know it is what it is. So we had some, we had a great time. Well, coach, I had a question about wide receiver stance when you when you go to compress the set a little bit. And talking about tight ends kind of made me think about it. I remember just watching it. Um, and we we've asked questions in the past. Do you have the inside foot up? Do you have the the outside foot up? You know, and and then I noticed like there's more of like a balanced looking stance. I think somebody called this stealth stance or something. I have no idea, but. Uh, what, what's your take on a on a, on a wide receiver stance when you when you kind of compress the set a little bit? Man, I, you can ask Bordy here. Bordy's an old line guy, but about uh, it must have been about three or four years ago. We sat in there, and if you watch Air Force, they were like an inside foot up, so that way they could take another step, and then so their outside foot would step, and then they would have the pin. We kicked that around for probably a good solid two or three days, and then you go and watch. Um, Kennesaw State, right? Kennesaw was really cocked. They were facing inside, and they were hard charging back to the inside. So then I was like, man, we're going to do this, and we're going to get back into these stands right here. And uh, you look at those guys, and you're like, well, there's a problem with every single part of that, right? So then we, we, we landed on someplace in between, and I think you landed on it at the end, and that was this, is that we're going to try to balance the stance up a little bit more and try to keep our feet back underneath us so that way we can adjust. Because here's what's happening, right? 
is it's not so much the pin anymore. Uh, we used to try to get teams that used to box us and pin us up the field. Well, that was great. Now you can start to pitch off of those guys and you just go block the safety. Uh, those guys stopped bothering us after a while. Now what's happening is you're, we're getting these 50 teams that are starting to beat us over the top of us, uh, and then they're going to they're gonna support their safety back to the inside. So the balance stance allowed us to be able to adjust back out again onto those guys. Uh, so the nine techniques that are they're starting to line up head up or outside of us and play the safeties inside of us. So we've, uh, we've had to change our thought process into a more – so we are an outside foot up. Uh, we are a more balanced team. We will not be – pronounced to the inside we, we don't feel like we can get to the guy that's going to come uh, come to our outside we need to adjust to the guy back to the inside of us we're also telling our fullback more that he's got to clean up more of that on the zone option uh, we've got to treat those guys a little bit we've got to pitch off of those guys a little bit more so we've got to play a little bit more games with the nine technique just to help the wide receiver in blocking that guy or, or handling that guy for us oh very interesting I'm always watching that. And like you said, every team kind of has their own take. And, um, you know, oh, we've seen them all. We, we've, we've tried them all. Um, I don't think that there is a right, 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 wrong or a different answer. The number one thing, though, is be balanced and try to try to be able to. Uh, because if that guy he lines up smack dab over top of you, you if you are off balance in the least way, I mean, those nine techniques, they're bigger. They're bigger bodied outside linebackers. Yeah. Uh, they'll 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 be able to handle your wide receivers, uh, and I've got pretty decent wide receivers. They're they're two hundred and ten fifteen pounds. Well, very cool. I appreciate you talking about that. Hey, uh, Coach Boyd, uh, I think this is one of our last questions. Uh, back in Dallas, you talked about this uh, this play that has like a hundred names, right? The handback, the sniper, the counter dive, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's one of the coolest plays in the triple option, right? I mean. Can you talk a little bit about that? And uh, I, I remember you, you said it's a, it's a play that uh, – or all plays have rules except for, like, this one play, you know? Well, you know, I'm sorry, say that again? I, rem I remember you said, like, all plays have rules except for, like, this one play, right? <laughs> you know, one, one year when we, when we first started running this thing, we came into the office and he's like, I rule this play up against everything. And you go in every position had like four, five, six lines covered, uncovered, this defense, that defense. And it actually worked. Um, but then, honestly, when it comes down to being the most effective, honestly, it's a 3-4 it's a play or a 4-3 with two twos or a split front with two twos. That's the best. Those are the, the three best defenses that the play – We've run it versus a shade three, you know, uh, an under front and things like that. Um, but really it's – and, you know, over the, the COVID break, we all had something to do. So I had to break down two games uh, to get a run game for next year. Next year, And, you know, I said, I'm going to run – we're going to run the sniper or the handback. And, you know, he's like, I, I don't want to run that this year unless it's a game plan thing. Because there are certain years – you go back to, like, what we said about zone option being expensive – that sucker is expensive, <laughs> not just uh, from a scheme standpoint, but from the timing with the Q and the A and yeah. get a zero nose, you get a two technique, the entry point's different. So we feel that we've run it enough that it can be – It's there's years where that's in the first day of practice and we're going to run it every day in some form or fashion, where I think this year's probably going to be more, hey, let's pull it out for this game, but we've run it enough to where we can execute it. You know, 
Um, but I love the play. I, I think it's a great play because you're talking angles and, you know, you're, you got linebackers running out of there and all that stuff. Uh, but really, it's come down with it's a 3-4. Uh, got to have 2-2 two, two techniques too. Yeah. You know, we've run it to three techniques and we've based threes and blocked back on shades or gap players and brought that guard to the front side linebacker. And that's been, that's been good to us too, but you got to run that sucker a lot. And when you're getting into some of the other things that we're getting into, something's got to take a back seat or get cut. Yeah. And that, that's kind of one of the plays at, at this point where we're at, it's going to get cut a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had all those rules and we were running a, at Lenore Ryan, we ran a pretty good bunch of that. And, um, it was because we didn't have so much zone option that we do right now. Zone option kind of replaced it as far as play rep support practice were concerned. Uh, but it is a, it's a phenomenal play. If you're not running zone option or you're not running other expensive plays, it's almost a must have in their offense. And um, people don't see it. They don't know how to defend it. It's, it's a cross key play. The fullback goes one way, the dive back or the A back goes the other way. Uh, like Boydie said, you're gaining angles on people. It is one of our favorite plays, and it, it's lost favor only because it's so expensive. But um, if it was up to me and I was running like three or four base offense plays, you almost want to have it in there for a counter cross-key kind of a play and uh, just get good at it because that, that's all, that's what it is. Is you know, you know, Shade 3, it used to be awesome versus Shade. We'd never see a Shade 3 anymore. But shade three, four, three defense, phew, we love that play. 50 defense, we love that play. We just don't see a lot of those defenses anymore. Split front 2-2 two, two techniques, like Boydie says, you want to move around and leave the inside open? I watched Army uh, throttle uh, Rutgers one year when Ian Shields was there, uh, just running handback play. Now they lost the game, but they, they ripped him pretty good. Uh, I called him up the next day. I go, what was that play? And ever since then, uh, we put it in, installed it. And um, it's been a great play, and it's a good little toolbox play to have. Uh, we need to break it out every now and again, but it won't be a staple of our offense because of the time it takes. And and did you find that it was a good way to get the, the A back to the ball right, other than toss, right? So, you know, right after we put that at, at LR, we went up to see Ian uh, when he was at Army. Um, and uh, I said, well, you know, what is it about the handback that you like? And he said, well, We've got so many ways to get the quarterback the ball. We've got so many ways to get the beat back the ball. We don't have a whole lot of ways uh, other than just flat out tossing the ball or jet sweeping the ball to get the A back the ball. This is one of those ways where we can kind of keep them interested. And uh, it's true. So when you have a pretty good A back uh, and you've got some fearless ones that want to hit it up and inside, which we do, we've got a couple of those guys, is uh, I do think it's a good way to mix the ball around a little bit and try to keep everybody as interested as possible. Yeah. A four three with two twos and a high scraping mic, you run that till the cows come home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we I think I'd like to probably talk to you guys about it too. You know, not right now, but we've got plenty of tape on it. Yeah, too. come on. That, that, that's a great play. I mean, you just let us know what you're getting. Uh we'll diagram it up for you, and then you can roll it up from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, I don't want to have to pull anybody, but if I have to, I have to. But what? I, no, but we, we and, really and you love don't necessarily have to. Okay. Well, I would just love to be able to pick your brain about it. So, I was first introduced to that. We ran it in a bone uh, back in the day, and we fought out of the backside. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The angles were really good out of the bone. Yeah, it's it was awesome, and I seen uh, I seen somebody influence trap it. You know, with uh, so Navy used to influence trap it, and we dabbled in it. 
But if I'm going to run influence trap, I'm going to run influence trap and just hand it to the beat back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very. Uh, Fifty Shades of uh, Counter Dive. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Great play, though. Like, hey, yeah. You want to have a whole podcast on it? We could have a whole podcast on yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> great, but I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> It'd be awesome. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't publish it though. <laughs> you know, the problem is, is we, st we we love the play. We were repping the thing probably thirty to fifty times a week and repping it in a game yeah. five or six. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. It's expensive. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, man, I know you're on vacation. We don't want to. We don't want to suck any more time up. But this was awesome. I mean, yeah. really appreciate it. This was awesome. It you know, any time. It was great. No, we appreciate what you guys do. Uh, we always follow you guys on Twitter and uh, uh, just promoting what we do. We, we greatly appreciate it, man. Right. And any, anything that you guys got for us, man, let us know. That's going to wrap this episode of the Match Point Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. You can download or listen to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Podcast app. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good and leave us some comments that you might think uh, you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Again, I'm Matt McLeod. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at RunTheTriple. Our Mesh Point podcast uh, has its own Twitter page. And that is at the mesh point again at the mesh point you can also find me on flexbonation.com have an option blog there and write articles and have plays uh, that can help you out if you during the season all right tony i want you to let the listeners know how they can get you on social media all right, guys, go to Three Face Football on Twitter at Three Face Football, and uh, you'll you'll be able to follow my account. And uh, the cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called Mesh Point Monday, and basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic. And it's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and and uh, get to know each other and you know talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch uh, catch that every Monday, eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great great way to uh, build our networks and, and and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter, so it's real cool. Also, check out the website threefacefootball.net. I've uh, got some cool gear like Fear the Veer. You'll see in the background here, uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, MeshPoint gear, and and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well. Thank you.